Chapter 4 Even after the $10,000 check event, I was still struggling with whether I had a brain tumor, or maybe I experienced a mild stroke, or even possibly mental illness. I'm getting older. It could have been a coincidence. Isn't that what society would say? WebMD had given me a whole list of ailments, but my doctor had verified that none of them were the culprit of my improved hearing. That's what my doctor called it, improved hearing. My doctor is a cool cat and believes me 100%. He made me prove it about 200 times first, but we're past that now. I don't hold it against him. He is a man of science and just needed to see with his own eyes. I agreed to his research, but only if there would be no needles. Anyway, my doctor told me that if he wrote up my improved hearing as suddenly hearing God, the medical community would require him to give me a referral for a psych consult. Apparently, it's in the doctor rule book. No wonder humans live in constant fear of judgment. I think it is a travesty that our society teaches medical professionals that if a patient claims to hear God, they require mental health treatment. A large part of my job is to teach people that we can all hear God like I do. We just need to understand how to listen. We all have the same ears. I hope the medical community has a sizable supply of the little white jackets that tie him back because the divine spirit knows truth when it hears it. But isn't that what I would say if I was mentally ill? That God spoke to me? Hasn't every religious cult started with some dude saying that he could hear God and that God wants them all to drink the Kool-Aid? God sent me another event on June 5th 2018, to make it perfectly clear, I was hearing Father more and more clearly every day. This day would be key to helping me see firsthand the importance of forgiveness. June 5, 2018, at 7 a.m., I sat bolt right up in bed. I had startled Ian, and he sat up next to me in our bed. Are you okay? Ian asked me with true concern in his voice, looking around for an intruder. I need to go to the grocery store and get some milk, I replied in a rush while getting out of bed. We have milk, babe, Ian said, laying back down and realizing that it's not an intruder in the house. His wife is just weird. I need to go to the grocery store over the bridge and get some milk, I stated again, more sternly, while I'm quickly trying to find shoes. Ian sat up cautiously and got out of bed. It is clear he seems concerned about my franticness as he carefully approaches me. He stood in front of me and tilted my head up so that he could make eye contact with me. Honey... We have milk. I bought a whole gallon yesterday, Ian says in a very soothing tone. Are you okay? Ian asked me with apprehension. I have to go to the grocery store right now and get milk, I scream as I am running out of the bedroom. Ian stood stunned and confused as he watched me flee down the stairs towards the front door. He finally realizes my appearance as he tries to catch me before I run out the door. Are you going to brush your hair or teeth? Ian shouts after me. At least put a bra on. But I was already out the front door and running to the car. I had this feeling that if I did not go immediately, the entire world would cease to exist and it would be my fault. I drove directly to the grocery store as quickly as traffic would allow. When I got out of the car in the grocery store parking lot, my first thought was how grateful I was that I put flip-flops on. It was June in South Texas and the pavement was steaming. The urgency to get inside into the milk aisle was so overwhelming that I began to run in the store's direction. That would be when I realized I did not have a bra on and my flimsy summer jammies did not lend any support. 
I am not a small woman. Quite a few men and several women stopped to watch the show. Two black eyes and several job offers later, I was running through the store towards the milk aisle. I came to a sudden stop in front of the milk and I sensed I was in the wrong place. That was when my body just took on a life of its own. I turned around and began towards the butter aisle. I stopped right in front of this sweet little old man, innocently picking out his favorite butter. I must describe the scene for you so that you can have a nice visual and a delightful laugh. I wore my flimsy jammies and flip-flops. I had not bothered taking time to put on undergarments, and I was standing in front of an open, refrigerated cooler of butter. Anyone close realized that I was cold. I had not brushed my teeth or my hair. Most days when I get up, my hair looks like a troll head pencil topper. You know, the pencil topper that you smooth the hair down, then rapidly roll the pencil between your hands. Then, when you complete rolling the pencil, the troll's hair looks like it didn't make it to the tornado shelter in time. Yeah, my hair looked like that. People of Walmart, here I come. Do you have a good mental picture now? I am always mentally aware and respectful of personal space both mine and other people's. My body did not seem to have the same awareness or respect today because my feet did not stop until I was almost touching this unsuspecting stranger. When I halted in front of him, he looked up from his butter and smiled at me, looking a bit confused by my nearness. May I touch your forehead? I instantly said to this adorable little man as we made eye contact. Why, yes, you may, the naive elderly gentleman said to me, noticing my attire but not seeming to care. No, you say no if an insane person asks to touch you, I think in my head. I am instantly concerned about this man's inability to detect crazy, even when it is standing right in front of him wearing jammies in the butter aisle. But I do not seem in control of my voice to recommend he take heed of this advice. I reached out my right hand towards this brave soul standing before me. My thumb instinctually went right between his eyebrows where your third eye is. I was not in control of where I placed my thumb or where this elusive third eye should supposedly be located. I had heard stories about this third eye phenomenon, but I thought it was more of a metaphorical thing. This whole event felt like what I would imagine an out-of-body experience would feel like. The difference being that I was watching the events through my own eyes instead of floating above the room. Your Uncle Jerry sexually assaulted you when you were four years old. Is it okay if we heal that? I hear myself say, matter of fact, it is the strangest feeling to have words come out of your mouth that you did not think or form in your head. Okay, but I believe Jerry is still alive, the trusting senior chap says as he nods his permission for me to continue the insanity. I'm guessing he thought I would channel a dead spirit or something along those lines. I am already freaked out enough, dude. Did you need to put that thought in my head? I remember thinking, but instead, in a small voice, I said, okay, almost apologetic. Again, some invisible force seemed to take over my actions and my words. I looked into his amused and curious eyes. With my thumb on his forehead between his eyebrows, I have the most overwhelming feeling of guilt and shame come over me. I knew it had not been my actions that took away this man's innocence, but it hurt my heart as if I had. I felt the guilt and shame like it was my own. It was so overwhelming that I felt like I couldn't breathe. I am so sorry for what I did to you as a child. 
I was so messed up on drugs and booze back then. I heard myself say in a tone and speech pattern that was not mine, there is no excuse for what I did to you, and I am so sorry. I have picked up the phone to call you a thousand times over the years to beg for your forgiveness. I continue with a feeling of urgency to get it all out before this man in front of me runs screaming for help. I want you to know that I checked into rehab the day after I hurt you and got clean. I have spent every day since then trying to save every child from the pain and suffering I so selfishly caused you. It was right around this time that my stomach started to feel like I had butterflies fluttering around, but I continued to speak to this loving elderly gentleman as we both began to weep. Can you please forgive me? I asked as the butterflies seemed to stop fluttering and form a ball in my stomach next to my belly button. Yes, Jerry, I forgive you. The beautiful sweet soul before me utters softly through his tears. As soon as he had said the word yes, I felt a strong sensation that made me jump. It felt like someone had installed a zipper in my belly button and zipped up the center of my chest. The feeling was like the first plunge down on a roller coaster. It wasn't painful, but it was very shocking. When I had startled from the sensation, I inadvertently took a step back, removing my thumb from my beloved new friend's forehead. The moment my thumb disconnected from his forehead, I was in complete control of my actions and voice for the first time that day. The man before me was staring at me with awe and amazement. He had tears silently streaming down his sweet, wrinkled face. I was crying too. It was a very sweet moment between us, but it distracted me when I noticed we had attracted a crowd. Thank you. Thank you. What did you do? It doesn't hurt anymore. What did you do? I have been trying for 60 years to take away the pain. What did you do? The humble man keeps repeating while searching my face for answers. I was just about to say, I don't know, when suddenly I knew what had happened. I knew exactly what it was. I healed a fracture in your divine spirit, I said, just as amazed as the man before me. We both stood there in stunned silence for a moment. How? He finally asked me, pleading for answers. Once again, I opened my mouth to say, I don't know, but I knew how. I knew it with a surety that could not be shook. I looked directly into his eyes and stated proudly, God, this sweet angel in human form, smiled at me with the most intense love and gratitude, then hugged me so tight it broke the spell I had been in. I immediately know that the small crowd I had noticed a moment ago had grown into a large crowd. Looking around at the curious faces, I suddenly remember the state of my appearance. It mortified me. I quickly turned away from the man in crowd and ran, sobbing, to my car. I saw the angel in your eyes, the sweet little old man shouted after me. I guess he felt sorry for me because of my appearance and wanted to compliment my blue eyes. After reaching my car, I got in and turned the air conditioner on full blast. I sat there in my car for what seemed like hours, crying and shaking. There was now absolutely no doubt in my mind. I am insane. I went to reach for my phone to call Ian. My hero would come and get me. He could take me to the emergency room and explain to the doctor about my decline into madness. It was then that I realized that I had left the house without my phone or purse. As I take a deep breath, I tell myself to calm down. I could drive myself home. 
I was so bewildered at what had just transpired in the butter aisle of the grocery store, and I just wanted to get home to Ian. Slowly, I put my car in drive and began the 15-minute trip home, forcing myself not to focus on anything other than the route home. When I pulled into the driveway, I was so physically exhausted that I had to sit in the car for another 20 minutes to get the energy to walk from the car to the front door. Finally, I forced myself to get out of the car. As I am trying to focus on the front door, I know that I am walking unsteady as if I was drunk. I could not understand why I felt so physically weak. When I finally got to the door, I could see it was magically opening on its own. There stood my hero, my warrior, Ian. Everything would be okay now. We would figure this out together when I wasn't so tired and I could think straight. He would know what to say. Where's the milk? Ian asked, confused at my unsteady gait. Really, Ian? Where's the milk? I thought. I know that I am safe now and collapsed just inside the door. As Ian reaches out to catch me, he is looking around with panic in his face. He already had worry about my behavior before I left, and now I was a complete train wreck. I instantly began to cry as Ian is scanning my entire body, looking for any injuries to explain the disaster I have dissolved into. Ian knows it must be bad for me to be so completely out of it. I am normally the one who handles every catastrophe because I just instinctually know how to fix everything. I lay there in the foyer while recounting to Ian everything that had happened from the moment I woke up this morning. I explained that I was so tired I was having a hard time focusing on speaking to him. I had assumed it was from crying so much the last hour. Ian helped me up to our bedroom so I could lie down. I was so tired I could not keep my eyes open a moment longer, and I was asleep when my head hit the pillow. Amazingly, I slept for seven days. Not seven hours, seven days. My poor sweet Ian was so worried he would habitually wake me up four or five times a day to make sure I was eating and drinking, then help me to the bathroom. Just that minimal effort would make me so tired again that I would instantly fall back asleep. Ian continued to ask me if he should take me to the emergency room or to my doctor. Somehow, I knew I was okay and that I just needed to sleep. It was hard to stay awake long enough to explain this to Ian. Then, seven days later, I was good. I woke up on the morning of the seventh day and felt refreshed. The instant my eyes opened, I knew exactly what had happened at the grocery store. I had complete knowledge of what a fracture in our divine spirit was and how to heal it. I knew why it was necessary to heal the fractures, and I realized how vital forgiveness was to our eternal peace, love, and joy. As I explained all of this to Ian, my mind was racing. We could change the entire world with this knowledge. We could end the need for wars and cruelty. It took almost three weeks this time to convince myself that I was crazy and needed another CT scan of my brain to check for a tumor. What was so divine about me that I thought God was talking to me and that I could change the world? How could forgiveness be the key to peace, love, and joy? I am just one person. What could I possibly do? Father was about to show me, with him, we can all do the impossible.